Amen. So we're excited about that. But as we were taking communion this morning, uh, I just felt to encourage us and to remember. Communion is, uh, is yes, it, we're remembering the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but it's something even greater than that. This is our covenant with God. This is our covenant with God. In Genesis 15, uh, we have the account where we all know with Abraham, God called Abraham out of Abram, where he was, called him out, gave him a new name, called him Abraham, father of nations. And then at that time, he declared to him that he would have a son of his own seed, that he and Sarah would bring forth the child. He's going through a process that is taking time. And so then in Genesis 15, he's asking God, God comes down and tells him, Abraham, I'm blessing you. I'm your great reward. You have this great inheritance. Abraham goes, how can that be? I don't even have a son. I don't have any heir. I got a nephew, but that's it. And God said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to confirm my word to you. So what God did is that he took, he said, Abraham, bring a sacrifice. And he brought the sacrificial animals out and he laid those open, cut them in half and laid them out. And then God walked through that blood to seal his word to Abraham. And from that moment on, Abraham never asked God another question about whether he would keep his promise. And I want you to hear something this morning. Hebrews chapter 6, I want you to listen to this. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question that oath is binding God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfect could per, could, excuse me could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind so God has given both his promise and his oath these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order after Melchizedek. And so what the writer to the Hebrews is saying is that the same way that God confirmed his oath to Abraham, God has confirmed his oath to you and to me. And when it comes to believing God's word, to waiting on his promise to come back, come to pass, this is what you have to remember. When we partake of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what you're partaking of. God says, I have made a promise to you. And you say, how can I be sure that it'll come to pass? Well, Abraham brought animals. God said, this is what I do. This is how sure my word will be to you. I will sacrifice the body and shed the blood of my own son and the blood that I walk through in my promise to you will be the blood of my son. The blood of God's son seals his promise to you. You can bank on his promise coming to pass in your life. Somebody ought to give God a praise in the house this morning because you ate more than a cracker and drank some, some grape juice. You declared this morning, I remember that I have a covenant with God. Not a covenant that I asked for but a covenant that God declared over my life that if I would take him at his word and I never have to doubt his word because he's walked in the blood of his own son. Woo! 
Amen. Hallelujah. So you never have to question God. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. God is good. Well, that has nothing to do with what else we're doing this morning. So somebody just needed to be encouraged this morning because you go, everybody, like Abraham, we get to that place. God, when's your word coming to pass? I've been believing. I've been in this test. I've been going through this trial. I've been waiting for the promise. And when's it going to come to pass? God said his promise is sure. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. Hallelujah. Again, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to ask you to open up to Acts chapter 2. This isn't our message either this morning, so we have a lot of preliminary. I have about a three-minute sermonette this morning. Hallelujah. Well, actually, this morning we're doing kind of a Mission Sunday, and we're doing a Mission Sunday on, on two aspects. One, in just a few moments, we're going to receive uh, a special offering. We're going to allow you to sow into uh, our young people and our team that's going to go to San Francisco on uh, the weekend of the 16th, 17th, and 18th and uh, to do missions work down there at Skid Row in San Francisco. How many know San Francisco is definitely a mission field? Amen. If you've been there lately or been anywhere around the Bay Area, anywhere in that area, any of our inner city areas in our nation are definitely mission areas. And uh, so they're going to go there and spend uh, two and a half days there and uh, uh, doing mission work on the streets with YWAM and that. And that's part of Go Ye. Amen. And, and we want to reach out to our world. We're part of that and, and everything else. And so uh, uh, we can give you the opportunity to sow into that in just a few moments and uh, help young people and our team go down there. Amen? Hallelujah. But on the other aspect, part of our mission here is to build and strengthen our church together. And as a church, part of our mission is, God, how can we best fulfill that? And we believe one of the best ways to fulfill the mission here locally in reaching our community is by us growing strong together. And the best way we grow strong together, what we're doing right now, we're, we're, we're going to be taught, you're going to hear words that inspire and encourage and information and process that, but we really grow through relationships. Amen. And, and, and by we grow together and we grow face to face. And the best way to do that is in circles together. And the best way to do that is to begin, uh, become a part of a life group or a home group and be together in home. Acts chapter 2 says this, and uh, in... Uh, Beginning in verse 43, or verse 42. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So think about that. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the word that they had heard, to being in fellowship together, to sharing in meals, including communion, or the Lord's Supper, and to prayer together. Amen? And, and so the people did life, and they began doing life as believers together in common setting. And a deep sense of awe, verse 43, came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And I really believe that's the formula for the church to follow. 
Amen. More than just uh, being in the temple, but also adding that element of being in our homes and coming together. So this morning, we're just going to take in both services. We're just doing a, a fresh introduction of all of our life groups. So as I call your name, I want all of our life group leaders that are here to come stand up front just so everybody can see your face. Hallelujah. Amen. Garrett and Jasmine Sanders and Caesar and Alicia Jana, come on up this morning. Hallelujah. Come on down. Hallelujah. Wayne and Sally Snow. Jonathan and Suzanne McBride, Bill and Becky King, Rudy and Valdi Oberhauser, Mike and Cindy Amatiso, uh, Debbie Barr and Jennifer Swank, Ray and Jenny Montero, Jeff and Janelle Clanton, Roxanne Acosta and Brenda Adams, and Pastor Sue and myself. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, these are our life group leaders, and we just want to encourage you. In your bulletin this morning, there, there, there is a, uh, 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 one of the cards that has everybody's name on there, when they meet, and what day of the week, and, and of the month that they meet, and that. And then, it's really kind of awkward. How many just go over to people's house without never being invited? I do. I, every now and then, I do. Amen. Kind of knock on the door. I just wanted to see if you were home. Amen. But, but many times we don't go and in, uh, in, in get involved at, at a life group because we're going to somebody's home and we feel awkward about going to somebody's home because that's where it is. It's in their home. And they really haven't personally invited me. But we want to extend to you this morning a personal invitation to each and every one of these homes. So we want you to accept this as their invitation to you. You guys willing to invite all these people over? Amen. Everybody all at once at all, each one of these houses would just go to all of them, you know, and, uh, and do that. But somewhere in here, there's a life group that you can connect with and be involved in. And we want you to take this as a personal invitation this morning to plug in and get involved. Amen. And, and then from that standpoint, also pray about that and, and say, well, what do I have to do? And every one of these people has gone through our growth tracks. And then and it's just super simple to be a life group leader and to host a group in your home. Our goal is that we would have enough home so everybody in our church would be able to be in a life group. Amen? That's our heart and that's our goal. So we want to invite you and uh, to be a part of that. Let's just pray together. Father, I thank you for these courageous people. We thank you, Father, that they're willing to open up, Father, to allow you to use them to open their homes, to allow you to bless their homes by your anointing and your presence there, Father, as people gather in your name to grow, to strengthen one another, to pray for one another, to build the bond of fellowship together. So we pray your blessing over our life groups today, Father. We thank you that you're going to use each and every one of them mightily. We pray for new families. We pray for new leaders. And we thank you, Lord, as we follow the pattern of the church in the book of Acts. We believe that you're are going to add to the church daily to our fellowship those that are being saved so we just honor you and we praise you today in jesus name and somebody said amen, amen. give the lord a good praise thank you everybody amen Hallelujah. Just consider it a smorgasbord and, and just kind of try each dish and see which one best fits your palate amen <laughs> hallelujah amen so you go to the buffet, you try a little bit of that, a little bit of that, a little bit of that, but they're definitely a group that you can be a part of. Amen? 
Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the ushers to come at this time, and we're going to receive the offering for our life group. And, and part of that is to go, and, and uh, even in going and doing and giving. Let, let me just say this again, and, and uh, the Lord just really, and I'm just sharing my conviction, and so I'm asking you to really pray about this. We have all the, uh, uh, will you will maintain and keep all of the electronic ways to give. You can text to give, give by credit card, use the app or do all that stuff. I'm just encouraging you to go retro, to go back old school, to actually write a check with your giving. And the reason that is, is that, as I said earlier, we've already given $9,000 to financial institutions to process credit card giving this year. How many know we'll do more with $9,000 than the bank will for the kingdom? Amen? I'll give you one example. Our friend, Pastor uh, Paul Dickens Joe from Ghana, sent me a, a, a message. He said, Pastor Don, we're finishing up our training center that's connected to our Lord's Gym here in Ghana, and, and we want to get the computers and the technology to train young people and raise them up, and God's using them mightily. He said, we need about $3,100. Amen. When I hear that, I just want to write the check. You understand what I'm saying? And so when you give, we put 10% of our offerings into our missions fund. So when those things come up, we actually have some mission saving that we can write the check to. But how many know $9,000? We could have done that three times and not even hesitate. Amen? So that's all I'm saying. We'll do more with that than, than the, the financial institutions will. But Father, right now, we just thank you, Lord, for young people that are willing to go into all the world. Young people that are willing to go and to put uh, themselves in a place where they're going to be challenged and stretched to grow in their faith and their confidence that they can be your extend, hand extended to hurting people and to needy people. Father, we pray your anointing over them as they, they get ready to go. And Lord, we just call in the finances and the resources that will enable them to go to be a part of this mission trip and to experience walking with you as they take the good news of your gospel. Your word says how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel and bring the message of good news. So Father, we thank you. I pray over the giving of your people this morning. I pray your blessing over them as they sow so that others can go. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Go ahead, ushers. Receive the offering this morning, and uh, we will continue on. Praise the Lord. Amen. While you're doing that, let me just give you one other thing. You'll find we put a, uh, Brother Cecil Ringenberg uh, put together a voting guide for us, and that did all the research and helped us. And uh, so that's a suggested voting guide in there for you. And everybody asks, people say, well, preachers shouldn't talk about politics. Uh, we talk about it everywhere else. Everywhere. So why not talk about it in a place that's sanctified? Hallelujah. And uh, in doing that, people say, well, pastor, how do you vote? I have three ways that I vote or some areas that uh, determine how I vote. One, I always vote for the sanctity of life. I always vote to preserve life. I always vote for traditional values, family values, every area of traditional values. And I always vote for national defense. Amen, in those three areas. And so there are core values and how people feel about that. So when you look at which party, which direction, then go back. Do, do, does this group support my core values? And uh, for years we've done that. And, and what happens is people have sometimes uh, sacrificed core values for because everything's good in their life financially. 
Amen. And, and, and fortunately, uh, we're, we're at a good place financially right now. And so in doing that, people do that. But there's been other times when we've had leadership that didn't support the core values of the church, amen, or what we believe in or foundationally, but we didn't vote really to change in that because we didn't want our life to change from that standpoint. So I encourage you in that area to do that. When it comes to measures and things, uh, ballot measure, doing different things, this is what I do. I believe we are taxed enough already. Anything that is a new tax to fund a new government program, I have yet to see one government program that isn't bloated with overhead administratively. And any tax that's going to fund a new government program is going to be upside down with the amount of money that actually goes to that program. It'll be misappropriate. I believe our government needs to reduce spending before they raise any more taxes. Amen. Amen because they operate with other people's money, namely ours. I don't know about you, I just got a statement of our tax bill for the year. Other than our property tax, I pay $280 a year in taxes to go to all kinds of different areas right here in El Dorado County. And so to fund those areas, I, I just, fiscally, I work by that. I can't go get other people's money. If I don't have enough money to run my budget, I have to learn where to cut. I mean, not, none of you can go to your neighbor's house and have them pay your bills. I would like to have a motorhome if, if, if maybe, you know, somebody would pay for it. I would love to have some accessories and some programs and do everything else. But how I many know you have to, you can't use other people's money. And so government has massive amounts of money. How many know we don't need a $100 million train going to Fresno? I don't know many people, I, I always say this, I jokingly, I don't know people that want to go there or very many people that want to get there that fast. <laughs> Spend $100 million. <laughs> But I mean, what could we do? Not, not $100, $100 billion, excuse me. $100 billion. Dear Jesus. Amen. So I'm just saying, there's some suggestions there in doing all these other things. I mean, there's one measure, one of the measures in El Dorado County, we almost had the whole alphabet to vote on as far as measures. One of them is for this, is I think is Measure J was the only one that was possibly good, and it was about taxing tourism to pay for veteran support and, and things in here. My view on that, I don't think we should tax anybody for any government program. There's enough money in our government right now to take care of it. If these guys would just be responsible, every new idea they come up with, they don't figure out how to rework money. They just come up with an idea that needs more of our money. And until we solve that, I don't care what they do. Amen. Let's pray over this offering. Hallelujah. I'm just sharing my idea. You think any way you want. Amen. And, uh, and, and it'll work out. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we pray. This offering represents young people and, and leaders being able to go and be your hand extended. Father, San Francisco, our, this city, our state, our nation needs a touch of God. So, Father, use these resources to send these people. Allow them to be your hand extended. Multiply the seed back and the generosity of the people back into their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Barbara. Hallelujah. Okay, I have 15 minutes to preach a message to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I have slides. Let me do this with our life groups. 
Go back through. Thank you, David. I forgot the whole thing about the PowerPoint. So we have our life groups. Let me just give you the purpose. Go through this with me. The life group is to promote intentional relationships which lead to spiritual growth and empower for ministry. Amen. So we grow together, but then we become empowered and encouraged. So it's just like being a life group. Hey, I went to a life group. It wasn't no big deal. I could do this in my home. Amen. So participation empowers us to believe God could use us. The next one. Life group is the name of, of our home group ministry. Life groups meet in homes throughout the county twice per month. All are hosted by members of our church family. Life groups are sermon-based, means that discussion flows out of the message preached from God's Word on Sundays. This helps us to internalize and apply what we've heard. So you can join a group, you can host a group, and you can lead a group. Amen? And let me just share you like most people, if you ask somebody what pastor preached on last week, you might remember my title, but you might not remember the message. So what have we been preaching on the last few weeks? Choice. choice. Amen. Anything specific about choice that you heard? Okay, the word. All right. Anything, huh? Living intentionally, okay. But, but see, if, if, if we hear but we never talk about what we hear, discuss about what we hear, internalize or share or process what we hear, then it never really gets down on the inside of us. Amen? And so to retain it. So the powerful thing about our life group and having them be sermon-based, it gives us the ability to digest what we've heard, to hear what other people say. Some say, well, I got this. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't even hear that. I had somebody tell me last week after service, to go, well, it was awesome where you said blah, 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 blah. I said, I don't think I said that. <laughs> but if you got that, that's awesome. Amen. So that was great. Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead and put up our, so life groups combine fun and intentionality. Praise the Lord. David, put up our Bible verse, if you would, son. Say this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I am empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into the soil of my heart. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Father, I thank you that by your spirit, you will cause your word to come alive in us and through us for your glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your outline this morning, we're going to walk you through just a little bit and just quickly. This is kind of almost a review, but it's a couple of other areas that I want you to see this morning in, in connection with choice. And uh, we've had this up here. And let me just encourage you again uh, for tonight. This is the first Sunday of the month, and we started this in September this year. Joining together for corporate prayer the first Sunday of the month. Something is powerful about the church coming together and praying together. We're all supposed to pray individually in your personal relationship. But when we come together, we come together as one together. We become one together, and we pray as one together corporately it has a dynamic impact. Amen? And so anything, let me just put you like you, any biblical principle that is hard for us to do probably will produce great results. Amen? Anything that the enemy always comes up to give you an excuse or something to work against, then, excuse me, then it's because it will always produce great results and usually do damage to the kingdom of darkness. Amen? And so coming together for corporate prayers, we have a great time. We just praise the Lord, worship God, preach and prophesy and declare His Word. Amen? 
So join us tonight from 6 to 7. So look at the cover of your outline here. Choice, the most powerful element in our life. And our key text that we've been using is Psalms 25 there. Where is the man who fears the Lord? Let me go back to your life. How many, uh, growing up in our generation, I, I, I kind of posted a video from Steve Harvey. And it was kind of like this. And, and it started out with, when did we start negotiating with our three-year-olds? And so it's kind of a comedy routine, but he's kind of being serious about dealing with that. Because he said, I remember when mom and dad said, that's the way it is. It was just, that's the way it is. Amen? And so, but there was a reverence, there was a respect, and, and it wasn't fear and trepidation, but it was just respect that they meant what they said. And so here, the word fear means is that we respect the fact that God really means what he says. Amen? So we respect God, and, and we have a reverence, respect for him and for his word. So where is the man that fears the Lord? God will teach him how to choose the best. He shall live within God's circle of blessing, and his children shall inherit the earth. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. With them alone, he shares the secrets of his promises. That passage of scripture has just been resonating with, within me. There's so much good just in that. I want to be in that inner circle. I want my children blessed. I want to make the right choice. Amen? And I want to know the secrets to walking and seeing his promises fulfilled. So let me ask you this. Here's the question that we walked through this this morning. Here's my question to you. Who or what has the greatest influence in your life? Who or what has the greatest influence in your life? The answer will be connected to words. Whose words do I listen to the most? I always ask people this. Who is allowed to speak into your life? And when they speak, whose words have influence over you? Listening to people doesn't mean you're allowing people to speak to you. Amen? But whose words are actually allowed to have influence? Is it friends, parents, mentors, teachers, leaders, achievers, or God and his word? Where on the list of influence through words in your life will God and his word show up? Out of the influence that speak into your life, where does God and his word show up? Think about it. Influence is revealed through choice. Influence is is revealed through choice. My choices, your choices, are always going to be influenced by words that we have allowed to enter into our life. That's just the way it works. And choice is shaped by words. Or in other words, influence directs our choices. The words that you and I hear shape the choices that we make, which in turn produce the words that we speak and so to form the harvest of our life. Go with me, if you would, quickly in your Bible to Matthew chapter 12. This is probably one of the most powerful statements that Jesus makes concerning words. And we really don't hear that much about it. But I want you to hear this beginning, if you would, with me. For time's sake, just in verse 31. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. So let me ask you this. What would, if you had to define blasphemy, what would it be? How would you define blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? What would it be? What? What? Words. Words spoken against the Holy Spirit, right? 
criticizing words, demeaning words, demoralizing words, discrediting words, anything that is contrary or puts down or blasphemes or, or speaks against the character and the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says those words, going, entering into that ground, he says that's unforgivable territory. Wow. So it, it, just to be flippant, to be there, because this is what had happened. Jesus began his ministry after he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't begin ministry because he was the Son of God. Jesus never did ministry because he was the Son of God. He ministry flowed through him when the Holy Spirit came upon him. At, when he was baptized by John, the Spirit of God descended upon him. And Jesus declared it like this in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it is by that anointing that I do the work. I do the work through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the religious, religious people that day had said he cast out spirits by the power of Beelzebub. Or in other words, they attributed the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to a satanic work in the life of Jesus. And so Jesus is responding to that, and he says, hey, you know what, there, there's a lot of grace with God, but in this area, eh, are you with me? When it comes to speaking against the Holy Spirit, he says there is no grace. So those are words spoken against the Holy Spirit. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven forgiven either in this world or in the world to come so what did Jesus just do he just said words are very significant are you listening to me words are very significant verse 33 a tree is identified by its fruit now just stay with me what is Jesus talking about here the context here he's illustrating what he's talking about he's speak, talking about speech and the words that we say a tree is identified by its fruit if a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could you evil men, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Now remember what I said, words are influencers in our lives. And so words get into our heart, and then they come out of our mouth, and they become the seeds that are sown that produce the harvest of our life. Are you doing all right? So think about it. Verse 35, a good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Verse 36, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment for every idle Word you speak. Wow. That passage, that verse. Man will give an account in judgment for every idle word you speak. How many are going to talk less today? I just, you know, I just, I, oh, I'm just talking. There's no, or in other words, Jesus says like this. There's no such thing as an idle word. Why? Because words are God's creative force. You were given the power of words as a creative force. And they either create life or they create death. They either bless or they curse. They either heal or they harm. Are you with me? Words are so 
powerful. Why is it in our culture we are so caught up in saying right words about everything? I mean, every, every group wants you to say their words and not say any words against, are you with me? But we understand this context of word. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Wow, what a powerful passage. Amen? And we don't have time to go through a lot of this this morning. But in Numbers 14 and verse 28, we read it to you a couple weeks ago. This is what the Lord said to, to the spies that went out and came back and said, we're not able to do it. Da, da, da. God brought us out here to die. And God said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do exactly what you said. What you just said, that's what's going to happen. The words you spoke will be the harvest of your life. God listens to what we say. And that whole generation passed away according to that. Stay with me. God and his word are to be the investment counselors of our life. God's word. See, uh, Pastor Sue and I have some retirement. And we started later than we should have. But we're, 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 we're doing our best to save and catch up and do things and that. And uh, we measure everything. Well, that'd be nice to have. But it'd be better to put that towards there. Amen. And so we work with that. So we have somebody that gives us advice and helping us on making choices to invest and where to get a good return. Amen. I'm glad interest rates have gone up a little bit when it comes to saving or, or CDs or something like that. Any friends in the house? All right. Just to make sure I'm not talking to <laughs> Amen. But God and his word are the best investment counselors for our life. I must be able to believe that the one who made me will have my best interest at heart. If I'm not placing my trust in the God in, in the counsel of God and his word, then I'm placing it somewhere else. Let me just put you like this. If you're not trusting this for counsel for your life, what are you trusting in its place? If I'm not trusting God and His Word, then what am I? I'm trusting something else in place of that. Something that did not create me. Something that did not make a vow to me and walk through blood swearing to keep it. Are you listening to me? God promised and walked through blood that He would keep His Word. Who else has done that? No one. I think I'll stick with the one who walked through His own blood to keep His Word on my behalf. Amen? So I'm placing it somewhere. Joshua 24 and verse 15 says this. Joshua says, as for me and my family, we will live by the words he has set before. Joshua said it like this. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, you choose whatever God, you can go over here, you go over there, choose you this day, whom you're going to serve, do whatever. But as for me and my house, we're going to stick with the God of the words that spoke to us and brought us out. We're going to stick with what he said. Amen. So look inside your outline real quick. We'll probably only make it to a couple points in here. The words we hear shape or form the choices we make to produce the harvest of our life. Think about advertisements. Ask yourself the question, what is their purpose? They want you to see and hear what they have to offer. I heard a great statement this morning, uh, uh, Levi Lesko, I, I, I don't even know if I say his name right, a young guy planned a church up in Montana and stuff, and, and uh, he comes on from 7 to 7.30, so usually while I'm ironing my clothes, I'll listen to his message if I remember to turn it on. But I thought it was kind of awesome, he was preaching this morning, and he made this statement about advertisement, because he's talking about the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things in his message, but he was saying that if you look at advertisements and promotions, the reality is, is that if you had this, it would make your life better. 
that possessing this, and you would be like that person. But then he made the statement, how come when they show you all the new cars, they're all driving down roads where there's, they're, they're, they're not wet, no trucks aren't getting dirty, they never show you having to fill that puppy up at $105 for a tank of gas? They have no crying kids in the back seat. They're always spotlessly clean. I mean, everybody's happy and smiling. There's no problem. There's no traffic on the roads. There's no stoplights. There's no nothing. And you think, man, if I just had that car, my life would be like that. It just isn't happening. Amen? That just isn't real. So, so, so they make you think. So the promotion is, is to advertise, oh, if you added this to your life, you'd be so much better. How I many you know if you're not happy with who you are, nothing externally added to who you are will make you better? That's why God doesn't add outside to your life. He adds inside to your life. God said, I'm not going to add anything outside to you. I'm going to put my life in you. I, I, I put post the other day. This is an inside job. Life with God is lived from the inside out and contentment in Him from the inside out. Think about it. They want to influence your choice. I don't have time to read 1 John, but John says, well, in fact, just turn there. 1 John chapter 1. You doing all right? We'll preach right into second service and just let them join us. I was just teasing. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. We proclaim to you the one. Listen to this. 1 John chapter 1. We proclaim to you. We declare to you. We speak to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our eyes and touched him with our hands. He is the word of life. The epistle of 1 John. Not John, but the epistle of 1 John chapter 1. This is the one who is life itself was revealed to us. And we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things to you so that you may fully share our joy. Come on, Jesus is the word of life. Amen? Amen? And so we stand on that. So ask, understand this. All media is for the purpose of communication. Every device you have, whether it's your television, a radio, a phone, a tablet, a computer, whatever it is, it's for the purpose of communication. In fact, I added this to my message after I got here this morning because Levi said this and he was sharing about it and, and he found had a couple surveys. One was this. They did a survey of people and, and, and they handed out uh, devices to people on how many times you touch it. And that means you open it or, or flipped it or scanned it or did anything on, on any smart device you have. You know what the average, average touches was per day? Tw the average, 2,100. 2,100 times you touched your device during the day. Has anybody Facebook me? Did I get a text? Anybody calling me? I have a voicemail. Who's what? Everybody saying on voicemail? How's my Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram? Excuse me, I'll be right back. That was the average, 2,100 times average. On the high end, people that are really compulsive over five, was twice as much over 5,000 times. They're touching the fine. At school, yeah, watch. Yeah, okay, now, now watch, watch, watch. Now, what about screen time? Actually looking at a screen of something, whether it's a video, take, take away radio and music. 
but just do screen time, whether it's on your phone, an iPad screen, a computer screen, a television screen. The average screen time for us is seven hours a day, 49 hours a week. I don't have any time. No. <laughs> Are you with me? Now, listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm, the purpose of every device is what? Communication. I don't have any time to read my Bible. Well, give God some FaceTime. Just FaceTime God instead of your friend. Are you doing all right? Now, I loved it because Levi Lesko is one of those cutting-edge new dudes, man. He's got holes in his jeans when he preached everything. He was awesome. So he was preaching my message. I loved it. Amen. So let me ask you this. Is it really no big deal? Is it really no big deal? Ah, no big deal. Hey, well, let me ask you this. If it's no big deal, why are you getting fuzzed up and have to defend it right now to yourself? If it's not a big deal, you don't have to justify or defend it. Thank you very much. I get paid to do this. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Don't try this at home. So the answer is this. Let me ask you this question. Do the words you hear ever leave the soil of your life? Do the words you hear ever leave the soil of your life? Help me out. I'll start it. Hey, Jude. What? Hey, Jude. And make it better. Remember. Come on, everybody. How does that stay in there? That was from the 60s. And some of you weren't even a thought in the 60s. Oh, my goodness. Round, round, get around. <laughs> what? <laughs> Do words you hear ever leave the soil of your heart? No. How many of us can remember hateful, damaging words spoken to us over the years? How many of us today are still being influenced by those words? We become carriers. The worship team comes back. We've all had words spoken to us that cut like a knife, destroyed our confidence, broke our spirits, and darkened our future. But we've also all had words spoken to us that healed like a soothing balm, brought hope, built faith, and caused us to believe that all things are possible. See, every one of us in this room could tell the story of both kinds in our life, good words and bad words. Say, Pastor, why is this so important? Look at the, how important are words? Look at the season we are in. Every person in this country, every person that goes to a ballot box on Tuesday or who has filled out an early ballot already, every check they've made on that ballot has been influenced by one thing, words. Because words shape your identity 
and your identity always determines your values. And your values and your identity always determine the direction or the path that you take. And so people, whatever persuasion we are of, and it's amazing that God has chosen that through words. Romans 8, 10, verses 8 through 10. What does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you shall believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So words come to us from God, and they produce faith in our hearts. And we receive that, and we agree with that. And when we hear those words, those words tell us, I'm not a failure. I'm not an outcast. I'm not hopeless. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. And I can be restored. And we respond to those words of hope, healing, and forgiveness. Amen? And so we say, I believe that God loved me so much that He gave His only Son to die for me. That He made a promise to me that if I would believe the promise that he made and that he made it so securely and so surely that he walked through the blood of his own son to seal it concerning his love towards me that if I would believe I would have everlasting life my sins would be forgiven he would separate me from them he would never bring them against me. I would never hear His voice remind me of my past. He would never hold my past against me. He would give me a new hope and a new future. He would cause me to be a new creation. He would create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. And we hear those words and we say, I believe and I choose life. Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning. Let's stand together. Maybe you're here today. And something other than God's word has been the major influence in your, in your life. Then I ask you to do one thing. Just repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn away from those words. To repent means to turn around and go in a different direction. It just means a 180. God, I'm turning away from that. And I'm going to turn back to your word. I'm going to allow your word to be the influencer of my life, not these other things. Just simple repentance in that area. And just say, God, I'm putting your word back to that place in my life. Instead of saying, God, I don't have time for you, just cut some time out of all this other time. And give that time back to God. Make that choice today. And watch God turn things around in your life.